Welcome to the Luge Rugby Podcast with your hosts, Derek Brissett and Dan Murphy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Luge Rugby Podcast. Uh, it's been a little bit, it's been a few weeks since last time Derek and I got together and recorded a podcast. However, there has been a couple of big news breaks in the rugby world and in North America and with Major League Rugby that we just couldn't stay away. We had to get together and talk about this because a couple of little big announcements that uh, have uh, come around, Derek, in the last few weeks. Yeah, it's the uh, it's one of those things. The uh, the coronavirus has obviously shut down most of the sports world, um, but you know, every now and then um, you get some actual genuine sports news to talk about. So um, this uh, this week, the uh, the MLR and um, their teams kind of dropped uh, two major announcements, as well as the conclusion of their MLR virtual tournament. So uh, it uh, resulted in you know, there's plenty to talk about. We could definitely uh, have a solid podcast here and. Hopefully, the uh, everybody listening will uh, enjoy our thoughts on the uh, big news items of the week. So, thank you, Major League Rugby, for making this week interesting and not spreading out your your big announcements. And I think Matt McCarty uh, might be, we might have to thank him as well for dropping a little bit of a bomb. And that bomb is that the Colorado Raptors are leaving Major League Rugby. Now, they uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, some reports, especially by Pat Clifton, were saying that they were unhappy with how things were being run. You know, there was uh, whispers of issues complaining about the salary cap, complaining about uh, import players. Um, but nothing was really said other than the fact that they were excited for the 2020 season. And, you know, the 2020 season uh, did happen. And this week, it w- they released a statement saying, uh, that uh, they have been supportive of Major League Rugby since the beginning of its inception. And we certainly wish the league every success, but we believe that our greater responsibility lives in the development of American players who can go on to win the World Cup. Uh, and, you know, that was, that was kind of their, their, their official statement that they released onto their social media platforms and, and different news outlets that uh, are big into rugby shared that. And then another statement came out after they were interviewed by Nine News, which I assume is a, is a Denver or Colorado-based uh, news outlet. Yeah, they did, the, and, uh, they did all the Raptors broadcasts um, last season. So they uh, actually got uh, redirected to the city manager who had a, um, a very different kind of take on things, you know, saying things like uh, that, that uh, they had a greater responsibility uh, and that responsibility was to develop American players. Um, and then started talking about how uh, we couldn't, MLR could not meet the demand with the rise in teams of having domestic players and, you know, accuse some teams of having Ten players would have much more experience than the American players on the roster. So, of the fifteen players on the field, it is typical that ten of those guys are foreign players. So, quite the accusation of ten players, which, which isn't true, but you know, and they they go on and say that they're not faulting Major League Rugby for this structure, and and they did say that they do have many foreign players on their team. I mean. They had two of the biggest signings of the 
season that were foreign players. I mean, unfortunately, one of them didn't get to play with with, with uh, Colorado. But they, and this is the one that, thing that really strangely like shook me a little bit, Derek, and it bothers me a little bit. The the manager said after two years of competition in MLR, the United States lost all four of its matches at the World Cup. So, was Colorado's management expecting two years of of professional rugby to make that much of a difference against England, France, Argentina? The Tonga game, I'd say, okay, you know what? Maybe they slipped up a little bit. That should have been a win. We'll give them that. We'll Tonga's say that. Tonga's a good country, though, man. Like, that's Tonga's not, a good that's not, country. That's not a guaranteed win by any stretch. It's not like... But, I mean, did they not play each other in the Pacific Nations Cup and, and the U.S. won? I, I'm not sure. I, I... Well, they can beat Tonga. I think it's, it's the just, most... Not... The USA can beat Tonga. I'm just not saying, like, it's not a shock that Tonga beat no. them either. It's... Like, uh, but you know, for for argument's sakes, I'll say yes. Okay, that one they 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 had a much closer chance to win. But I mean, England was a World Cup finalist, France a quarter final a quarter finalist, and Argentina is the strongest team in the Americas. How do you expect the U.S. after having just two seasons of professional rugby to compete against that? So, what are there real reasons, Derek, that Colorado chose to leave Major League Rugby? Like. There's just so much going on here. And, and what do you think, really, the, the reasoning is? I think we haven't found that out yet. Um, I think the, like the reasons that they put out there, as you touched on, okay, so we have the, some of the financial issues. Uh, maybe they weren't able to keep up with some of the other teams that were able to sign uh, players overseas. But then you can kind of look at, well, you attempted to sign Big B. Ione, obviously, um, the Wallaby had some visa issues and he never, unfortunately never actually played a game for him. Renee Ranger was still a massive signing for them too. And I mean, you know, all blacks aren't cheap. So um, like that, that also plays into a factor of it, but it could have been part of the reason. I think it's just saying that you want to make your goal to develop USA players to win the world cup just strikes me as a marketing statement um, because why wouldn't you want to stay in the best league in the country if you, if your goal was to develop American players? Also, nobody was forcing you to sign in, uh, foreign players. You could have stuck with your philosophy and um, had a team of fully Americans. It wasn't, there was, there's no rule that says you have to have a foreign player. It's just, there's a cap on how many you can have in the lineup, um, but you don't have to. So you could have operated a team with fully American players and not. So, I, I feel like the act, this is the whole situation to me just reeks of we haven't found out the actual reason yet. And when the reason does come out, like the true, like all the behind the scenes stuff, it'll probably make a really awesome book. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, they did say that in, in, in this, in this uh, interview with Nine News that they do not have any plans to play for another league. So that, that, that is an interesting little tidbit yeah. there. Now, I'm going to ask everyone. To, to put on their, their tin caps with me. Put your tin full caps on me because I've got a little bit of a conspiracy that I threw out there on Reddit. And I want, I want to get your, your opinion on it, Derek. So, in typical capitalist form, USA Rugby, and we all know the financial problems that they had, you know, the bankruptcy and all of that, mm-hmm. saw that their closest competition, Rugby Canada, has launched a so far successful academy program. Pacific Pride out west in BC. 
they say, well, we need something like that to be able to develop our players. However, we don't have any money. Now, they see that there's a major league rugby team that prides itself on wanting to keep things American and domestic and that they are having grumblings with their league. It would be very interesting if USA Rugby came to them and said, hey, guys, um, I know that you're frustrated. Why don't you guys become our development program and we'll send you some of our top you know, athletes and you continue to train them in your high performance facility where, I mean, hey, that's a pretty good place to keep people. I mean, it's got a great pitch. And uh, from what I've seen from Nick Boyer and some of his Instagram takeovers, they've got a pretty sweet gym set up. I mean, that would be a kind of a slam dunk decision for both of them. We've got a club that wants to develop players and we've got a uh, national program that doesn't have a lot of money to do it. So it just seems like that might be a little bit perfect to fit. Now, again, people like put your, your tin cap hat on for that. But I just think that that's an interesting, uh, interesting idea that I, I was thinking about when I was reading all this craziness. Um, like, Maybe I mean I don't know what the Raptors are doing. If they're saying they're not gonna they're not gonna be participating in a league, like I mean even Pacific Pride participates in a league. It's in a um, they right so um, they play in the BC Premier League. So um, saying that, I think I think when she said that, right? I think it was more like pro leagues. Yeah, like it's not gonna be like a like a rival league or something like that. I don't know, um, but I I think the big like when you look at the. Uh, USA Rugby, when they, they made the announcement that they were filing for their, their Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and I'm not going to pretend to know what the different chapters of bankruptcy mean, but um, what they did say, though, is uh, and from their website and from their statement directly, USA Rugby Board of Directors and Congress vote to file Chapter 11 bankruptcy after exploring all options to tackle ongoing challenges and sustain the financial impact of suspended income due to COVID-19. Um, the second line also says that existing financial challenges have been accelerated by the impact of COVID-19 pandemic on rugby activities. Um, following later, it also says the men's and women's senior national teams will continue to compete as normal when rugby returns after the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, so that's realistically, that's my only like, I think that's my, my only wrench in your uh, tinfoil hat theory there is that when like USA rugby is claiming um, COVID-19 as a major factor as to why they actually filed for bankruptcy and the Colorado Raptors, as you said earlier, Pat Clifton kind of started the rumors that the Raptors were really unhappy and wanted out of the league before the season even started. I think it was right back in November when he tweeted that. Um, so, so my timeline's off. A little yeah. Bit. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't think, I think, yeah the timeline's off i mean maybe maybe there is opportunity for the raptors to work with usa rugby now um but i i feel like for your theory i feel like the timeline's off and then i i'm not to be honest i have i don't really understand what the raptors are doing or i don't know i don't know what their actual game plan is moving forward right all i like it just seems that they're they're not folding they're leaving for a reason that they have not made public yet um, because if it's like, it's not necessarily like finances and it's not because you're not folding and it's definitely not to develop USA players to help win the world cup um, because you can do, there's nothing preventing you from doing that in major league rugby. 
Um, so I feel like like those two reasons just strike me as those aren't actually the reasons and the underlying reason will probably come out eventually whenever somebody decides to talk. So we're, we're going to jump uh, to a different question is uh, how do we feel about this, Derek? I mean, the Raptors have been an integral part of MLR since its beginning. I mean, they were in the 2018 final against Seattle. I mean, they had a, they had a not great season last year. I mean, a really down season compared to the season before. Um, and, you know, they were, they were on the turnaround. I mean, their last game, they beat the best team in the East with, with the Toronto Arrows. So how do we feel about this, this team leaving? I don't know. A lot of people have kind of used the euphemism of the Raptors are taking their ball and going home because they were, they were frustrated with the structure of the yeah. league and how things were being run. You know, do you feel the same way as some of the other fans that have kind of seen this go down? I, I think I think people have a right to feel that way, and I think it makes sense because, like I said, it's like I we, I feel like we just haven't been told the actual reason, and I feel like it's it's a difficult thing to judge without knowing the actual reason. Because um, I, I there's like I just feel like the at least publicly like Major League Rugby, as far as I know, um, hasn't actually even made an official statement on the Colorado Raptors leaving. All we have is Brian Ray. Um, leaked the email, which was great. So everybody got to see the email. And then um, the Colorado Raptors made their statement, which was basically the exact same thing as an email, but they just changed some wording from addressing players to addressing the fans. Um, so we only really have that and what like their reason, but it's like everything that's come out just seems to be a little bit of like public relations management and i don't think that actual reason has come out yet so i think a lot of people are just kind of left to be like well obviously the raptors are upset about something and they are an one of the original mlr teams um so it does it's kind of sad to see them go because they are original and they you know they've been the actual franchise has been around since like 2007 so like they're, they're one of the teams that actually predates mlr as well yeah and, you know and it's uh so it's like one of those things where it's like they're kind of like a cornerstone of uh, like American rugby and to see them backing out of major league rugby kind of sucks. Um, like I said, hopefully one day we actually get some answers here and figure out the, the true reason for why they're actually leaving. Um, because right now it's just, it's, I don't, I don't think we have that yet. The actual, all the behind the scenes details for what has actually led to this decision, because every, everything that they put out so far, whether it be their official statement or that interview with nine news, which is also weird that a Raptors staff member redirected them to a city manager um, in order to, well, they're all, they're owned by the city, right? Yeah. So that yeah makes... But it's still, it's still like, if we were to be like, like, you know, it'd be weird to be like, Hey, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you guys just made a big decision. Um, how do you feel about this? And please like, refer on, to MLSC. Yeah. It's like, hold on. No, it's like, please refer. We're going to send you over to this guy that runs the, uh, the bell marketing division. Um, because Bell owns us, so we're just we're gonna have him answer all your questions. Uh, he doesn't actually watch hockey though, so they might be vague answers, um, right? And it's like it just kind of seems weird that it's like the team themselves aren't the one like putting out like no statements from players yet, no statements from coaches. There's been nothing. It's been quiet. Yeah, um, it's, it's been, been uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, uh, it's been super weird too to see Mika Kruse rocking all the Raptors gear. He had the uh like the bandana mask thing on yesterday with the Raptors logo alongside Blake Rogers. It's been weird seeing them participate in a major league rugby event still. 
Um, obviously, they're probably committed to finishing the virtual tournament, which we'll talk about a little bit more in depth later. Um, but it was super, it was kind of, it was kind of strange just seeing them there. And you could tell like Dan Power and Pete Steinberg were probably um, instructed to like not mention it at all, which makes sense and I don't blame them. Um, so there was no mention of the fact that the Colorado Raptors were leaving during, um, during like last night's, like the four hour um, final broadcast of it. The only mention that seemed to come up was when Will McGee presented Mika Kruse with a Austin Gilgroni's jersey for next year, as he called it. Um, so that, that seemed to be like the only mention was the players kind of uh, having a little bit of banter between themselves, but there didn't really seem to be much of anything official coming from Major League Rugby yet either or even acknowledgement of it. Yeah, you know, I think one thing that you, you said it is interesting, just the timing about all of this. And I think one little thing, and we're not going to talk about the, the leak because it's it's not real, like nothing's happened with it, but the the, the Forbes article that came out with the, the, about the N, NRFL, oh, God. you know, that, that coming out oh. around the same time, like it's, 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 it's all this weird coincidental. So it is going to be interesting to see how Maybe. Glendale – the col- uh, apparently the Colorado Raptors are complaining about this salary cap. They want to go and deal with a nine million dollar salary yeah, cap. Like, no, it's uh, which is I, also I, a joke. Like That's a joke. See. That's definitely not happening. Yeah. There's no way a nine million dollar salary cap is happening. Super rugby salary this. cap is six million dollars. Like settle down. Yeah, they they tried this in 20, 2014. It didn't happen. And it was, no. we're not going to get into it. But no, um, you know, I I would like them to talk talk and walk the walk about development. You know, they they said in that nine news thing that they want to basically be a feeder season system for mlr which i think is a great idea i mean uh you don't owe allegiances to any any area like like the academy teams have to for mlr just bring as many good young americans in as possible have them be a touring side against all the other academies have them you know go overseas and do some some tests matches against some of the other academy teams over in in uk or or in Europe, I mean, I think that there is opportunities for this to grow. Um, but you know, one thing I got another question for you, Derek, and, and you mentioned this in your story on Layman Sports about the Raptors uh, leaving MLR. Is what is the impact going to have on the players and the coaching staff? Because you mentioned something in your article about their contracts and stuff that I didn't know about until you told me, or I, I read it. Yeah. So the. Uh... All the MLR players, because it's a single entity league, so your contract is with the league, not the team itself. Although the teams are the ones that are responsible for going out and actually recruiting players and getting them to agree to contracts. But like the actual contract is with the league. So basically what it's kind of is saying that any player that the Raptors have that has signed a two-year deal um, is still under contract with Major League Rugby. Um so in that sense, there could be, we could be looking at something like a dispersal draft um, going into the uh, 2021 season where, you know, we kind of see like all the Raptors players kind of get dispersed to other teams throughout Major League Rugby. Um, the coaches' contracts, I'm not 100% sure how that works, if they actually uh, maintain with the organization themselves. Um, but it does open up the door for the players to be able to um, – like if they're still contracted, it's like those players will most likely find themselves a new home on other MLR franchises. Um, but again, like it's be like any other job, right? Like you're not forced um, to stay in. So I guess like if anybody does actually want to stick with whatever the Raptors are actually doing, um, some guys may have that option as well. But the contracts are with the league. So the league could in theory 
be like, hey, Mika Kruse, Will McGee, 100% right. Go join the Austin Gogronis next year. Um, but I mean, again, we've got two new two new teams. I mean, there's yeah, been exactly. talks, too, about, about dispersal draft. Like, if, if, if people mm-hmm. are willing to kind of go either to – I mean, Dallas and, and, and L.A. are kind of – they're both – I mean, I don't know what piece some people consider Texas, but Western United States, I mean – I'm, there, there, I'm sure there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of local guys that train with with the Raptors or, or play for them that will mm-hmm. want to stay and, and either just retire or stick with the Raptors program. But I think there's a good amount of guys that want to continue play, to play in yeah. MLR. You want to play? You want to play think, top level? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys that want to play at the highest level, and I'm sure we're looking to see a lot of Raptors um, throughout the uh, the rest of MLR next year. Um, the other impact that I think this has is you know, obviously this brings us to 13 teams, which is an uneven number. So um, there's going to be, have to be a lot of like schedule and conference realignments in order to uh, make that work as well. Mm -hmm. Um, My personal opinion, I think we would go back to what we did last year where every team had three bye weeks Um, So you have to extend the season a little bit, which probably means starting it a little bit earlier. Like instead of waiting the week after the Super Bowl, maybe you got to fire it up in like mid-January or something like that. Um, Just to make sure that everybody kind of gets there, like is able to, we're able to finish the season and you're still able to have the training camp for the ARC. Um, But I think ultimately what, like assuming that they don't fast track like a 14th team that maybe is already interested in joining. I would say for me, I would like to see Dallas and LA can both go to the Western conference. Um, Los Angeles for obvious reasons would be in the Western conference. And then Dallas I would have in the West just to keep all the Texan teams together. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Because I think with Colorado there, Dallas might've been forced to go to the East and you would kind of lose that rivalry um, with, all the other Texan teams, but now I feel that now that Colorado's gone, it opens the door for just to have Dallas in the, in the West. Um, so put the two expansion teams in the West do the seven there. And then you'd have six teams in the East, which would be unbalanced, but we have the owner of RCT Toulon has already expressed interest in putting a team in Miami. So maybe exploring that option could um, could benefit that, and that brings like a nice balance to the league of like the yeah. seven and seven again. So it might open up the door for like one of those like a team on the East Coast, um, Miami, maybe a team in uh, one of the bigger uh, TV markets that doesn't have a team yet is Philadelphia. So maybe that opens the door for that. Yeah, and Pennsylvania, uh, yeah, Chicago gets talked about a lot. I know um, depending on the sports league itself, Chicago seems to find itself in either the East or the Western conference. Um, so maybe Chicago is a team that could, we can make work with the East as well. Um, but so there's, I think, I think that's kind of where, like, I'm just speculating on that, but I think that might be like the option of like where we end up going there. And so all, all you people that have been calling for a, uh, Victoria-based team or Langford or Langley-based yeah. team, you're going to have to wait just a little bit longer. Yeah, because- I feel like that would complicate it because I feel like if you, if, like you said, if you toss another team on the West Coast, that probably means like the furthest East – okay, I'm trying to think of the actual Texas geography, but if, like whatever th- team is furthest East in Texas would probably be the, end up being the team that's – It would be East. Houston. I'm looking at a map of the United States right now because, you know, your, your Chicago plan being the East isn't far-fetched. I mean, it's, it's further East than New Orleans is. Chicago's, Chicago's so, in the, uh, the Eastern Conference you know. in the NBA. So, 
that, so, that, like, that would work. There's precedent for it. I know they're in the Western Conference in the NHL, but the NHL is a really East-heavy league, though. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Ohio, uh, you know, Columbus had a team in pro. Yeah. And then there's talks about they've got, they've got a strong uh, senior men's uh, program there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that could be an option. So there are tons of options with it with, uh, if, you know, there was a 14th team to come next year, but that seems pretty unlikely. Now, the news that MLR hoped would have been the big news of the week is that they announced that they're starting their first ever collegiate draft this, uh, this year. Um, so the way it works is uh, you must play, you must have played in, you know, either the NCAA or some type of divisional rugby in um, American college. Um, each team will have four rounds to draft players. Um, the two expansion teams get the first two picks. Um, they haven't decided who goes where, um, so it'll be interesting what, what, how that works out. Now, the real kicker and why it kind of talks, why it's important for our podcast is that you can only be American in this draft. Now, that being said, I don't, I don't know if they said you can only be American, but you have to play. You can only American be in school. That's true. My yeah, correction. They didn't say you could be South yeah. African and 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 yeah, they didn't say you have Zealand. to be American. You just have to. That's be true. At, uh, at an American college. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, uh, but um, Toronto. Um, I believe they they released their their statement yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. Have said that they are abstaining from the draft. So mm-hmm. only twelve teams will be drafting now. Um, Derek, first let's start with the announcement of the draft. How do you feel about the the, the draft and the idea that um, that we're going to have one? Especially, it's it's a new thing for for rugby, especially because it's a a, a collegiate draft is a very North American thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a, it's definitely a North American thing. I think that's part of the um, you know, it's part of having new sports kind of come to North America and. Uh, start to earn some popularity is that like the we started to put like some of our own culture into it um i personally like the idea of having a draft i think one of the big things that makes a lot of the other leagues so successful sometimes is that they're able to have like major off-season events um so you have like every every major league in north america has has a draft they have a free agency period um they have like you know the first day of training camp um they have like an awards night um so they have like a bunch of other uh let's say large events that can help bring like content to or help uh help like the media and everything be able to create content around um during the off season and right now with uh, the coronavirus we have probably like every sport right now is going to have like the biggest off season that they could possibly have um so it's um it's one of those things where it's like having like like we said we were kind of excited to start at the start of this podcast that we have like it's not that we're just sitting here being like you know okay like what what have you been watching on netflix during this coronavirus or it's tiger king it's it's all it's the answer is tiger king yeah i haven't even seen tiger king yet i feel like oh derek it's so it's so crazy yeah oh my i know God. i've heard i've just i haven't had time to watch that i spent too much of my time making podcasts <laughs> but uh but yeah so it's like yeah so you can watch tiger king and then when you turn off tiger king you can flip on your uh 
you know, you can flick on your, your laptop, your social media and go and scroll through. Like I'm assuming what'll be coming out soon is we're going to start having some like mock drafts, draft rankings. Um, there's a lot of content that you can create surrounding a draft, especially which will be great considering there's no sports happening. So it'd be some, it'll be fun to have some actual like rugby content and stuff to talk about, which is something I think to look forward to with the draft as well. Well, it's really cool seeing some young American college athletes uh, talk about how they're excited to get drafted and how they're, they're yeah. declaring themselves for the draft, which is such a cool, you know, like the idea that like, it's not just, you just like, there, there is, there's a different path to uh, joining the team, you know, like for, so, for, for the first few years, it's just been, you have to be scouted and played, but like, it seems a little bit more familiar and comfortable. And again, that's just, MLR is making it, a unique league because of this, this North American system. Yeah. And you know what, this, this gives, this gives like foreign players that, you know, don't think that they might have the best chances in their own country to come over and say, okay, well, if I play American rugby in the U S I spend four years, I, you know, get my degree. I then play rugby and then I have a chance to play an MLR and also get capped with the Eagles. So I think it's a, there is a clear pathway that's starting to be developed. That's interesting for me. Yeah, I think I got, yeah, like in general, I like it. I think like you kind of said, you kind of touched on there. It's like a very familiar concept. And I think at this stage of the league, we're still trying to sell the sport to new fans. And a lot of every, basically every major professional sports league in North America has a draft, right? So it's a really simple concept to sell people on. Um, most sports fans all understand, like North American sports fans all understand what we're talking about for a draft. Um, so it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that it's like, I think it's a, it's a major event. Like I said, it's a major event that you can do that helps do marketing and stuff in the off season. Um, and you know, every every major league has these marquee events, whether they be drafts, all star games, specialty games, like say the Winter Classic in the NHL, um, right? That or what MLR did this year already with the Vegas Weekend that kind of falls into the same banner as like a Winter Classic thing, in my opinion. Um, so that's it, it. It's good to see like a little bit of the league going out and doing some of these major marketing initiatives that follow the suit of like the formula that this, many of the successful sport organizations um, on this continent have already developed. And, you know, I, I have seen some concerns about, you know, how this is going to work. Cause again, rugby is, it has a very, has for a good period of time had a certain system where, you know, you, you sign up for the club that, that you live in the area and then you, you know, if you're good enough, you then pr get promoted to the senior team. And then if there's a pro team in the area, you go to them. So uh, I saw people were worried about the idea of, well, what if this kid lives in LA and gets drafted by Boston? They're going to expect him to live on the MLR salary and, and move across the country. And I, I'll, the one thing that I will say about that is, you know, um, my wife used to work for a, a league that doesn't exist anymore, the Canadian Women's Hockey League. And one of the things that they did is they had a draft. And I mean, for a good portion of the time she worked with them, they didn't have paying salaries. So what they did is they said, okay, pick three teams out of the league. And those are the teams that will, will be able to draft you. So there is still a chance that you, you don't know who you're going to get picked by, but it's a little bit shorter of, you know, you know, you, you shorten the post a little bit and say, I would be comfortable financially to either move to this team, this team, or this team, because I have either a job lined up there or family, or, you know, I, 
whatever. So there are, I, I think that that's probably what's going to happen with MLR is they will say, hey, um, tell us where you think you'll be able to do best in terms of your own life. Because again, the salaries aren't there yet to make this a, you know, a living wage. So some people are going to have to find jobs part-time, whether that be through teams or otherwise. So it will, it, I think that will make a play in terms of this draft, at least for the first, you know, few years. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I know uh, I've heard um, stories of the, uh, in the OHL too, where you've had some American players be like, I'll come and play, but I'm only going to play for London, Niagara or, or Kingston or something like that. Right. And yeah. Like close the rest, to the border. Yeah, exactly. And then like the rest of the league is just kind of like, all right, well, I guess we're not taking you. Um, but so that, I think that's a possibility to me. That makes sense. Especially like, I mean, if you're from Texas, maybe you could be like, yeah, like I'll go to Austin, Dallas or Houston, but I don't want to go to Seattle cause that's too far away or something. But um, Too cold and rainy. Yeah, or whatever whatever anybody's reason may be. But then you might have guys that are like, you know what, I'm here for the adventure. Whoever takes me, takes me, and let's go. Um, so that's exactly the uh, possibility. Um, now, yeah. now, so there, there is a cravat in this draft, and it has been something that was discussed. And now Toronto will not be uh, taking part in this draft, and that is because uh, Canadian athletes are not allowed to sign up unless they have been playing an NCAA like Derek mentioned before. So Canadian youth sports or uh, um, OUA or any of the other divisions in Canada cannot take part in the draft. Um, Derek, first of all, why is this? Because it is a very interesting um, reason why they, they single out uh, the Canadians or other foreign players of not letting them come into the first draft. Yeah. So it's like, it's not, a, like a malicious reason, um, which is like, I think a key thing, like we don't need to, as Canadian rugby fans, like we, we don't, don't need to get our pitchforks. Yeah, we sharpens. don't need to get out the pitchforks. We don't need to get out the fire. We don't need to, uh, the torches, pitchforks, baseball bats, hockey sticks, all the other fun weaponry that the angry mobs may use. Uh, we can settle down. We can settle down on that. Stay at home. No coronavirus, social distancing. We're not starting angry mobs together. Um, so, but essentially it is that a Canadian athlete that has to go to the United States needs what is called a P1A visa. So uh, P1A visa, it's got like a little subsection is divided like individual athletes, like um, athletes that participate in an individual sport and then athletes that participate in a team sport. So essentially there's a couple conditions that um, you have to meet in order to qualify for that visa. And the conditions are quite challenging, I think. And that's basically the reason, challenging to meet. And that's basically the reason why Canadians have been excluded from this draft. So one of the conditions is, so you kind of need, you need to be internationally recognized for like your achievements in the sport, which is essentially you need to have proof of like awards won, things like that. One of the things that you can use to prove is that you're an internationally capped player. Um, so if you've been capped, that goes a okay. long way. That goes a long way to proving that you are an elite um, talent in your sport. Um, so, you know, obviously guys like Kyle Bailey, Eric Howard, Justice Sears Duru, um, Doug Frazier, the list goes on of all the Canadians that are in Major League Rugby. The majority of them are all capped. Um, and are, sorry, all the, the majority of the ones on the American teams are all capped. Um, the other thing, the other issue though, that kind of, it could alleviate the stress of this later 
Um, so one of the things is you must be joining a league of six or more professional teams with a, com with a league. Uh, sorry, excuse me. I'll start that over. You have to be joining a, t a league with six or more professional teams and the combined revenue of those teams has to be more than $10 million. So essentially, if Major League Rugby can gain enough revenue to break that $10 million threshold, it could make it a lot easier for Canadian players to get a visa. Okay. Now, now I'm saying this completely not being a lawyer and just kind of did a uh, went on to the U.S. immigration website and found the information for the what you would need as an athlete. Um, so if I'm interpreting it wrong, feel free to call me out. Anybody that knows more about this than I do, but the way I'm kind of reading it is Major League Rugby doesn't have $10 million worth of revenue yet, but if we hit that threshold, it could open the door to make it a lot easier. Um, secondly, obviously, the internationally capped players, like it makes it easier to get a rep in, but it's not necessarily a guarantee. And part of the guarantee is that the fact that you need, if we hit that $10 million, it makes it way easier. So basically, the reason that Canadian the Canadian youth sport athletes aren't getting um, aren't being included in this draft is because if they're not capped, um, it, it makes it incredibly difficult to get one. And then in addition to the fact that Major League Rugby doesn't hit that first piece of criteria, making it even more difficult, the $10 million worth of revenue. So that makes it even more difficult to get in. Um, so like in theory, a guy, like if you go back to last year, a guy like Ben Lesage probably would have been perfect for, you know, allowing a Canadian in the draft. So he would have been a player that's already capped and previously played youth sports in the year prior. Um, so based on the window that they have set up, if we shifted that window back to 2018, 19, um, and did like the draft in like July at the end of the season, Ben Lesage would have been probably would have been a guy that might've been appealing to some American teams. Um, but, uh, but for the most part is if you're a, like, an American team, even though you might be looking at, like, there's a lot of great players in Canada, you're also kind of looking at, but how do I get them down here? Right. And there's a lot of collegiate players that aren't capped then, even though they might be on their way to being capped, if they're not capped right now, it's a, it's definitely a hurdle that the league, the league's still new. We're going through some growing pains. Right. And, uh, um, we've seen a lot of teams having to deal with visa issues. It's definitely one of the biggest hurdles that the league has to find a way to overcome at the moment, in my opinion. Um, like we touched on earlier, Digby Ione couldn't even, you know, one of the big signings that Colorado Raptors had didn't even play a game because he was still sorting out visa issues. Right. So um, yeah. there's like, it's definitely something. And there's, I think if we go through every MLR team, we could probably find somewhere that they had a visa issue. Seattle, obviously famously like not having coaches and stuff be able to show up as well. That's another big one. Um, so it's, you know, it's something that the league has to definitely figure out a way to work out. So hopefully alleviate the issues. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously cutting the season in half because of COVID-19 really digs into your $10 million worth of revenue. For sure. And, you know, so, some people are kind of talking about about the arrow stance on this and saying that they're, they're not going to take part and how, how are they, they, they hope that it is a successful event and continues in the future. And, you know, this, this has been a discussion that people have had since the arrows existence and since they, they brought in people like Sam Malcolm and, and, uh, uh, Gaston Mirez and, uh, Levas. And then this year, Taylor Adams to be their fly half. And it's going to be a discussion that continues about 
where does development truly lie in Toronto? Like, should they just be playing only Canadians? You know, should people kind of like see it as the opposite of what Glendale, you know, Glendale, uh, the Glendale management or Colorado management that it should be just a development, a developmental program. And I, I disagree. I think that Toronto is going to has goals in developmenting, uh, uh, developing Canadian athletes, especially rugby players uh, from Ontario, because that's where they're based out of. But I think you need to have some of these foreign players uh, be part of the team to kind of build a system of winning. You got to build a little bit of Canadian swagger because it hasn't been doing well the last couple of years. So by, by, I think they did, they did a smart move by abstaining from the draft and saying, yes, we are committed to draft uh, to developing Canadian athletes. So we will not be taking any Americans, but I think we need to not, you know, be completely torn away from the fact that we have foreign players on this team because they're just making us better. And that's what it just bothered me when I saw posts about uh, people talking and commenting about the arrows not taking part and seeing that they're not fully committed to developing Canadian rugby. And I think that's just kind of rubbish because in order for a country to develop, they need to have success. And if we're going to have success down the road, we need to have athletes from Canada and not from Canada that can teach a culture of winning. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I'm of the mindset. When I saw the, the Colorado statement, I was kind of like, ah, that doesn't, like, I don't like that. That doesn't make sense. The Toronto Arrow statement was kind of weirdly, kind of similarly worded, talking about the uh, the development of the uh, the national yeah. team being a priority. Um, so I was kind of weird in seeing that, but I feel like the context is maybe slipped into being a, a bit different. different. Yeah. yeah, a bit different context. Um, although the statements were eerily similar. It was kind of funny. Um, but I think... When you, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think um, foreign players make – like, that's the whole point of this is foreign players make you better. Um, you know what I mean? Like, if you're an American loosehead prop, how fired up were you to have the Beast join your team if you played for Old Glory? Right? Yeah. Like, you don't think the Beast is going to make, like, the props on Old Glory better um, or even the front – or even the players in the pack better because, um, like, he just – you can bring that wisdom. It's the same thing. I'm like uh, – you can see, like, in San Diego, Nanu's making his teammates better. Um, that's how it goes. And even, you know, Will Kelly, uh, Will Kelly, uh, super, you know, up and coming fly half for Canada. Um, you know, he gets a chance to learn from Sam Malcolm and T uh, Taylor Adams. Right. So, um, you know, which is an opportunity that he wouldn't have gotten prior to MLR being a thing. And, you know, I think we can kind of look at sometimes, you know, if Sam Malcolm had a Canadian passport, he would walk on to the, the, uh, Canadian national yeah. team and he could probably pick which position that he would want to play because he would be the best player in Canada available at multiple positions um so it's like you need to have those kind of guys because they can bring their experience their expertise and their knowledge um to um to the Canadian team I mean like if you really think like that's why like teams like Canada the United States Japan um like they all kind of have they have foreign coaches Right, because you need to bring yeah. in that that foreign expertise, that outside look, right? Um, as far as is it a smart move for the Toronto Arrows to be uh, participating in the draft? That was the second half of your question there, was it not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, like, when I first heard about them doing it, um, I was kind of like, I don't know, like from a competitive standpoint, I don't know why you wouldn't want to participate in the draft. Um, because I'm like, it's a free player that you could probably pay minimal amount of money to. 
obviously, um, it's like a free player that you could probably pay a minimal amount of money to. Obviously, you got some visa issues that you got to deal with coming back the other way across the border. Um, but um, philosophically, I think it, it is a smart move. Um, and the reason I kind of was getting at that is I started kind of thinking about things when I was re looking into the visas. And the, we're, when we're talking about we have to develop Canadian rugby, we have to develop. It's like there's the guys that are already on the Canadian national team that we need to put in full-time environments to get better. And then there's the guys that haven't been capped yet that we need to put into the full-time environments in order to get better. And in looking at the way the visa situation is set up to go to the United States, so out of all 11 teams uh, currently, the 11 teams in the United States, there is only two uncapped Canadian players spread out through the entire 11 teams. You have Mo, Mo Abdelmanin on the Austin Gilgronies, and then Travis Larson has some Canada A representation, but has yet to be make his debut for the actual senior men's national team. And you kind of look at that and be like, as this league is growing, there is still super limited opportunities for uncapped players in Canada, right? It's like you're either good enough to play for the Canadian national team at some point in your career, or I hope you enjoyed school and are able to get another job because it's looking like professional rugby is going to be very difficult for you to get in. Whereas the Toronto Arrows obviously have a plethora of uncapped Canadians on their team. The best example of that, in my opinion, right now, uh, well, not that he's an uncapped player, but Andrew Quatrin joined the Toronto Arrows as an uncapped player, was able to perform uh, excellently throughout the entire MLR season last year and earn his first cap heading into the World Cup campaign. Andrew Quatrin can't get that opportunity in the United States because the visa, most his visa application would have most likely been denied. So the Toronto Arrows... Um, maybe Pacific Pride, maybe the Arrows Academy too, to be added to that, are the only spot for uncapped Canadian players to find themselves in a professional environment. Um, Mo Abdelmanin, I'm not quite sure. Like, he must have an awesome lawyer. I don't really know the details on to how he was able to get a visa to go play for Austin. Same with Travis Larson. Maybe the fact that his brother was also getting a visa also helps in that category as it's well. It's a two-for-one deal. Yeah, like I don't, like I said, I'm not a lawyer. I don't really know how it works. What I do know, though, is that there is a ton of uncapped American players in Major League Rugby throughout all of the teams. And on, with the exception of the Toronto Arrows, there's two uncapped Canadians in the 11 MLR American teams. So the amount of opportunity for Canadian players, despite MLR's existence, is still more limited than the opportunity for American players. And if the Toronto Arrows want to take that chance to be like, hey, you know what, we're going to, you know, we're going to abstain from the draft and we're going to focus on giving two uncapped Canadian guys a shot at coming in and uh, joining our ranks and maybe eventually doing what Andrew Quatrin did and going from being uncapped, playing amazing for the Arrows, and then you get onto the Canadian national team. Um, then, yeah, I'm all for that just because the opportunities don't quite exist yet until we can figure out this visa issue and you know what like the biggest uh, i'm down that the, the reddit rabbit hole right now because Ooh, that's um always, that's not always good it's dangerous and, and there's one guy that's talking about how you know we've got a you know a foreign 10 on the euros we've got a foreign 15 which are two of them you know granted it's the two of the most important uh positions um, and then you bring in an international three, you know, with, with uh, 
last year uh, you had um, oh boy my my mind's blank. okay it was Morgan Mitchell and yes Morgan we brought, Mitchell. there was an international three last year and look how much better Cole Keith is listen listen let look me finish, how, let me finish. Like, whoever that guy is just look listen, at how much better listen. Cole Keith is you're not cool. you're, you're jumping ahead of me okay and then we you know and then we had Richie the Ayazada this year who's you're on the same page as me okay all right the tallest no I'm call I'm calling him out on, on this because I understand your frustrations. I mean, Tyler Rowan, Roland was kind of been, you know, uh, being tossed back and forth between the Pacific Pride and the Arrows. The Arrows have been playing not even a year and a half, or a year, you know, uh, one and a half seasons of rugby. You know, for your expectations for them to develop a 10. So, okay, let's say we throw Will Kelly out at 10, and, you know, we throw whoever, at, you know, Sean Windsor, because Pat Parfait's not ready and Theo Sauter's out playing unreal sevens right now. So we throw, throw those two guys out there on, on, on the pitch for MLR. What's it going to do their confidence levels? Maybe they do well, maybe they develop into something, or you can have them coming off the bench, you know, developing as a player in key moments. I mean, having Will Kelly on the field in that Houston game when they're on the, the defensive um, stand, I think that's going to be so important for his development. Having him for one, two years, learn from Taylor Adams, having him learn from Sam Malcolm last year when he was just practicing with the team is so, so important. Mm. This isn't a, a, a sprint. It's a marathon. Like you can't expect it to be night and day. We were lucky with Quatrin. You know, same thing with Mike Shepard. The Mike Shepard that was playing with the Ontario Arrows played his heart out, got to get capped by Canada and the repishage. No, and that's then and then and then play for the arrows and did even better. Was was an all-star, you know? Like we've got we were lucky with those guys, but with some of the most important positions, we have to be patient. No. And that's that's our point. And like you just mentioned, look how well Cole Keith did. You know, yeah. look how he's been a beast up until he's, the cancellation he, of yeah, the season. He was, he was arguably the best tight head prop of the season. Like it'd be like probably the debate would probably be between him and Dino Waldron for who was the yeah the the best. And Dino Waldron's <laughs> he's you know World Cup yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure he he he's he's played all over overseas you know so he's but it's I it's think, just I think you're right. I mean yeah exactly and but that's the thing is it's like I still look at you know the fact that these American visas are such a challenge to get which is why Major League Rugby is not including Canadian U Sports athletes. So you kind of like if, if the arrows are going to do that, I, I kind of agree with it because you need to provide Canadian players with a place to go. Right. Um, the other side of it too, I think, I think it's a good move from the air. So I feel like if I'm one of those American collegiate players, I don't want to get drafted by a team that has no interest in actually having me. So you might as well yeah. just pull out of the draft. Yeah. Um, it's better the for facade. Yeah. That's better for everybody at that point in time. If the arrows are genuinely like, we have no interest in participating then fine. So be it the dropout, but it's also like, you know, the arrow, the arrows would have to deal with a visa issue coming North of the border too. Um, which, you know, to get a, a athlete visa to come to Canada is, I don't, it's not necessarily as hard as um, as the United States as far as your athletic achievements, but obviously we have more just general population restrictions. Um, yeah, you have to be able to some, skate. Yeah, exactly. You have to be able to skate. You have to know how to build a snow fort. It's uh, <laughs> very, yeah, exactly. If you're not a world-class curler, you're not getting in. Um, 
I'll yeah, teach. Play. You know what? Send all the arrows to me. I will teach them it's, all how to curl, and it'll be fantastic. <laughs> so if to come to Canada, you don't need to, as with the United States, you don't need to prove your international recognition. Like you don't need to, you know, show and present like awards and things like that. Um, they do have a term that they use is called a demonstrated ability. Um, so <laughs> you have to do well on the beep test. Yeah, I don't know what that really means. That sounds super vague. Um, so the one thing though, when I was looking up the Canadian visas um, to come, so if you go over and you go to apply um, to, for a Canadian visa, you have a bunch of they have like a bunch of like number codes for like the different forms and stuff you have to fill out. So if you go over to the um, the athlete one, you can select you have to select what your job title is, right? So if you were um, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews probably suggest, suggested that his job title was a hockey player in order to come north of the border. On this list, so this is a massive drop-down menu, just to show you where, like, this is a hurdle that the MLR has to deal with, just to show you how, like, on both sides. The visas are a big issue that George Killebrew and his staff, they have to figure out. Um, there's a drop-down menu. On that drop-down menu, it lists 71 sports. I'll say that number again. Seventy-one, oh, and it oh, doesn't list rugby. That's the hurdle that we're dealing with at this point. Oh, boy. <laughs> so a rugby player, if they were coming, can select, I guess, professional athlete as one of the bonus. Ca- I guess they were like, we're going to call professional athlete in case you don't fit one of these. But there's seventy-one different sports on it. Rugby Union nor Rugby League. Not on. I can't even think of 71 sports. Me neither. And I was reading this and I'm like, it genuinely included, like, I was going to try to remember, it genuinely included things like lawn bowling, rodeo, um, like Coxswain. I don't even know what that is, but I saw it on there and I was like, what is that? Um, Oh, God. But not rugby. Rugby's not on there. Um, So that just to be like, these are like, one where rugby ranks maybe in like the echelon of pro sports and two just kind of like what like what we could do with it but again i don't like again i'm not like a legal expert on visas so please correct me if i'm wrong maybe maybe i was looking at an outdated version of that form i don't know maybe now the you're probably honestly you're probably not yeah like and you know maybe now the arrows in the wolf pack exist maybe they've added rugby to it yeah Um, i'm not too sure but like that's um you know that's part of it rugby sevens has been an olympic sport too so it's like you have to you know you also have to get visas for guys that are coming to visit so it's like we've been holding rugby union competitions too right so you have to get a visa even if you're just playing one game there's like those mini traveling visas right so it's like it's not like rugby's brand new to canada but i just thought the list was kind of funny um it's very interesting but uh but that's how yeah so that's what we kind of go with and but yeah, ultimately, I think because of the difficulties of getting visas for uncapped Canadian players, which is all definitely an area that we have to develop. We need more guys. We need to build more Andrew Quatrins. Um, you need to give guys like Peter Malazzo, Tom Van Horn, Josh Van Horn, Marcello Wainwright. Um, we need to give those guys a place to play as well. Um, Colby yeah. Francis, right? Like they all kind of need those. Um, like they need those places to play too. And it's tough for them to get those places to play unless, I don't know, they should call up uh, Mo Abdel- Abdelmanin's lawyer if they're interested because apparently that guy knows what he's doing. But 
Um, it'll, so, I mean, other than that though, but it's limited. So there's two uncapped Canadians in the rest of MLR. So, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't expect the arrows to be, um, you know, departing from this developed Canadians philosophy anytime soon. Yeah. And it's like you said, this is going to be a evolving event. You know, it's going to change. I mean, I, I saw people talk about how maybe it should lean closer to the way that, you know, hockey works where it doesn't matter what type of club sport you take part in as long as you reach an age. I think that's what Again, the league wants. I, just, I, think, I think that's what they want. It's I think just, the, it's, league, yeah, the league wants Canadians in the draft. It's just I think right now they, like, they actually can't. Can't it's do not, it. It's not like a, like I said, there's no need to get the pitchforks out. It's they, they, like they can't do it, right? It's just the only thing is, um, is like maybe, maybe it was just too early to pull the trigger on a draft. Maybe you had to wait till you – hit that $10 million of revenue threshold and then yes. we can do a draft that includes everybody. Um, and I think that's, that's been that's talked it. about. That's been talked about by certain people. And that was one of my questions is that, you know, is this too early for the league to try to tackle something like this? I mean, we don't want to it call it the be. Vegas. We don't it want to be. call it the Vegas debacle, but I mean, the Vegas weekends weren't the most successful thing. And that's when some people talked about it with that is that maybe this was just a little too early you know, we talk, and this is just another thing. Maybe they're biting more than they, we can chew, but I think that they've set up parameters for the time being that will at least make it a interesting, fun event um, for the fans and for the teams. Mm-hmm. Now, another fun event actually ended last night. Uh, Major League Rugby's virtual tournament ended last night with a four-hour stream that at the height of its popularity passed 15,000 viewers. Um, I'm sure that there is there is an exact number out, out there somewhere in the cosmos. However, in my quick Googling and, and Twittering, I could not find it. But the Austin Gilgronis topped the table to be the first ever winners of the event. Um, other winners included Houston in the bowl final and Seattle in the plate final. Um, and, you know, they, they ended the, the night. I mean, they were playing. They were playing NHL. They were playing football. Are playing Madden, they were playing Fortnite against, by the end like, of the night. Celebrities and stuff too. Yeah, against Patrick Chung and and another player that plays for the Raiders. And then they uh, had Jonathan a, Abrams. Jonathan Abrams. And then they had a, a, a pro gamer from the Dallas Mavericks gaming team playing as well. So, you know, Derek, how do we feel that this tournament went? Like it definitely we talked about it after the first week. It got better as it definitely went on. Mm-hmm. Um do you it think it went well? As it went on. That's yeah. And, and yeah. do you think there's a future for something like this once rugby's back in full force, like an off-season kind of a take on things? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think you you probably could do this in the off-season just to keep uh keep people interested in it. I mean, maybe if like the ARC is happening, maybe you're kind of limited to on like guys that aren't participating in that just to uh, yeah. Uh, but like, I think you could definitely you can probably definitely do something like this again. I don't see why not. It was, it looks to me like it was pretty successful anyways. I haven't spoken to anybody from the league to gauge their actual opinion on it. But um, I think for me, it was like, it definitely got better as it went on. They did it the first night. There were some glitches, some difficulties with it, but definitely by the time they got to the final, I think we kind of figured, figured out what we're doing. And um, it was super entertaining. I think for me, I'm not the biggest gamer. 
so uh watching people play video games isn't necessarily the most appealing thing for me which kind of says that i was i I actually watched the full four hour stream last night actually kind of to me kind of speaks to how good it actually was um i think for me like the best part of it uh was like the banter between players i think sometimes especially like with the mlr um not quite being as mainstream popular yet. It's like, we don't get things like, you know, like 24 seven or hard knocks or something to get like a lot of that behind the scenes details. So I thought like, you know, it was really cool to see like, you know, some of the players like personalities come out a little bit, especially like as the tournament went on and they got a little bit more comfortable. Um, There's some really good banter between them. It was fun to see like, as they all kind of got more comfortable with each other, they would start like chirping each other, like during games and stuff like that too. Um, which made it all the more entertaining. Um, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg did a good job, like facilitating some of the some of that banter and the discussions in there too. But I feel like that's kind of what made it more entertaining for me um, was just the actual banter between the players and getting to see like their personalities shine a little bit more. And I, I agree with you. I think that uh, definitely with the commentary, it got better because they got more comfortable with what they yeah. were doing. Um, you definitely kind of hope that, you know, with uh, one of the f- interesting things is Austin Pijot, who is the vice chairman, has announced that he is running for the chairman position for World Rugby. And one of the things he mentioned is he wants to have a functional, uh, good rugby game to market the sport. Yeah. And I think that I'm rugby not- 20s. Rugby 20 is like a good baseline, but like to be able to get the licensee to actually have the all blacks. And like, I was, I was watching the game and someone was playing as South Africa and I'm like, that's not so that's, Oh, they don't even have the names. They couldn't even use the names of the players. I think it was Brad Tucker that kept calling one of his players fake at Toje or something like that. Yeah. Like just, you know, um, I think, I think Tucker had England. So I think, yeah, he just kept, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He kept referring to a guy as fake at Toje. Fake at Toje. So, you know, again, things can develop, hopefully, and I think that uh, I like to see it. And there are some, there are characters, I mean, you know, that were, that are part of this, uh, you know, guys that were playing, that were playing next in the tournament were, were in the, the Twitch chat, chatting people up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really that cool. Was fun, so, yeah. so I, I think that there is, there is a future for it. Yeah, I think it was good. I think, yeah, like you said, it's like when guys like uh, Alex Tucci started actually like participating in the chat and stuff, it's like, it's a, that's a really, to me, I'm like, that's a really good like fan interaction thing um, that they can do. It's like, I know he was like, you know, he was obviously promoting some of his other streams and things like that, that he does. Um, but it was cool. I mean, like dur- during the whole thing too, it's like he ended up playing Fortnite with a Jonas brother, which is another way to like, you know, which is cool because it's like anybody that's watching that because they're a Jonas Brother fan or whatever is now seeing Alex Tucci kind of representing MLR uh, on the Twitch stream, which is again more marketing for the league. Um, I liked how you can tell some of the teams kind of went like all out for it. Um, the Austin Gilgronies of the set that they built for Will McGee to play in was amazing. Um, the wall with all their Twitter handles, the gaming logo, the Texas Cup trophy that constantly kept coming out, Mika Cruze jerseys on hand, um, uh, cowboy hats, everything like that. They actually, like, that was really cool of them to do. Um, so, um, and a lot of the other teams and stuff, like um, the Toronto Arrows wearing their full kit on the couch at the start of the campaign was pretty funny as well. Um, and, you know, 
uh, the t- like the arrows also the arrows and a few other teams began to catch on too as they did like the post game interviews where they kind of tried yeah. to make it you know give it that like this was an actual game kind of feel to the interviews um, and there, there was like you know those storylines and like the banter that it could be built up over time um, is what made it what made it really funny and what made it enjoyable so I mean I would like to see it um the austin Gilgronies are the most recent mlr champion so um the name change seems to be working out quite well for them um they did they you know they won their last the last real rugby game and then they um will mcgee kind of steamrolled through the uh the tournament here so um that was cool i thought the other really cool thing to see uh i really did enjoy seeing patrick chung at the end of the uh, broadcast um hanging out with will mcgee playing some nhl and it's just it, it, it's one of those things like it's nice to see like that he obviously has the, his you know his celebrity status being a Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots but you know his also being like a New England Free Jacks owner um, so it's nice to see him actively taking part in some of the marketing things for the league um, yeah we have other owners throughout the league that you know maybe have some of that fame with them like say Brian Burke um, for the Toronto Arrows but in the public eye he's generally a lot like uh, generally pretty quiet um and you know unless it's like a specific like cp24 like news thing um that he's promoting right you don't see him necessarily on like social media plugging the arrows a whole lot um so it was nice to see patrick chung kind of lending lending his fame and his uh, marketing ability to uh to the new england free jacks and to the mlr as a whole um same with kind of it's cool seeing like uh the oakland raiders showing up down dallas Dallas, I guess, kind of being represented in a, in, in a somewhat of a way by a Mavs gaming too. So it's nice to see some of those big like NFL players, NBA players, um, even if NBA gaming kind of reaching out and uh, willing to collaborate on things with Major League Rugby, I think is great for the, uh, the game as a whole. Yeah, and I think that it, it, it'll, it'll continue to grow, which is great. Um, a, few, a few notes about uh, some Canadian uh, rugby news. Um, we do have a cancellation of an event going on uh, this summer. Uh, the French Barbarians were uh, going to do a North American tour, and uh, they have announced, and Rugby Canada in conjunction has also announced, that they are canceling the game uh, against uh, Team Canada Montreal um, because of COVID-19. Um, the, the province of Quebec has essentially shut down all major events until the 31st. So, uh, unfortunately, August. this is of August, yeah. So, this is really the first... Uh, swing of cancellations with rugby Canada in terms of their, their uh, big um, test matches. Um, and the last little bit of news we got is uh, uh, since we record our last podcast, uh, Brett Buchelboom, who has been part of the uh, Canadian pack for quite some time, 32 caps for Canada has retired from professional rugby. Uh, he was uh, lending his uh, talents with the Cornish pirates and with the cancellation of the, uh, of the RFU's Championship League, uh, he decided to make it official and have the cancellation. So we wish Brett the best. I think even Andrew Ferguson reached out and tried to convince him to come play for the Arrows for one last hurrah. But, uh, you know, the good old Lindsey boy hopefully will enjoy his retirement from uh, from pro rugby. Yeah, for sure. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that's kind of what's starting to sort of happen. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of athletes, uh, you know, COVID-19 cutting the season short is going to mean a lot of, lot of athletes that uh unfortunately have played their last game now so uh hope best of luck to uh, brett bukaboom uh, in retirement 
Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. If you uh, heard something that you liked, let us know. If you heard something you didn't like, let Derek know at Percent the Jet on Twitter. And uh, we're going to keep on uh, listening up for the news, and hopefully we'll get a little flurry of news that we'll be able to record once again. So thank you very much, everyone, and uh, stay safe. Okay.